You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeningandkingston.com. Welcome back to Screening in Kingston. Taylor, before we do anything else, why don't you welcome back a fan favorite guest, friend of show, friend of you. Uh, I was going <laughs> to... Already I botched the intro. Am I... Katie, am I allowed to say your first and last name on air? I don't know if we yeah, do that. Okay, It's Katie Wilson. The only way I refer to Katie, Katie <laughs> Wilson, is back on air. I will not disclose her place of employment, um, but she is back... <laughs> Better than ever, going to do a book club for us. I'm not even that precious about my place of employment. I appreciate well, the concern, but like... I bragged about you again today to a co-worker. Oh, love about that. your sweet, sweet nice job. Boy, did I have to do some editing, though, when Taylor pretty much brought up every personal information she knew about you. We had to, like, cut it out of an episode. <laughs> Just, you know confidentiality reasons. I don't think you would have been upset, Katie. No, I'm not. You're, not. you're not. You're an open book, but, you know, you probably shouldn't be airing that. That's fair. I mean, like, Meta has all my data, so if True. your listeners want it too, they are welcome to it. Oh, don't tell them that. They're, they're master researchers. They'll, they'll find you. I'm sure they will. <laughs> We're happy to have you back. We're happy to have you talking books and movies. Well, this is new for us. Graphic novels. Yeah. You a graphic book. novel girl? Girly? I don't know. I don't um, we talked graphic novels. I'm not like the biggest graphic novel person, but this is I make kind of an exception for Scott Pilgrim. And you picked it. Mike, I'm kinda of, I'm taking over as producer today, asking all the questions. Why Go right ahead. <laughs> I'm dying to know well, I know when we were messaging, you told me that Scott Pilgrim has a special place in your heart. Um, yeah. I can guess some reasons, but why, why did you pick, why'd you pick this one for this book club? Um, well, I grew up in Toronto, um, and I just remember that Scott Pilgrim, there were like one or two scenes that were filmed in my high school and I went to a performing arts high school. So like there were some kids in the movies who were extras. So it was like a, it was kind of a big deal. And just the idea that they were shooting this big movie with like actual famous people. Cause at the time Michael Cera was. I think Huge. he had just done Juno. So he was big. Um, and so we went to go see it. I think I don't know if I was in grade 11 or 12. I can't remember. But I just remember going to see this movie. And this one, in addition to Juno, it was like the those two movies were like real revelations for me. I think it was the first time I went to go see something where I was like, oh, this is good. And like, these are <laughs> yeah. movies that are made for me. <laughs> and not just like oh like b- movies that like my parents like or like movies that are fun to see with my friends and stuff like these two movies I was like oh these are made specifically for me with like the way I talk or people that I would know and the the music in the movie specifically was like very very um well done we can get into it but like the broken social scene cues like anthems for a 17 year old girl or whatever it is that plays at the end like I used to just listen to that on repeat and I was like, oh, broken social scene. Like, they just get me. Yeah, this, was <laughs> so, your, this, this was your first foray into cinema. Yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> and then even now, like my partner, he's not, he's American. And so when we had started dating early on, I was like, you, you know, I think that this movie says a lot about me because it just, it really encapsulates what it was like to be in Toronto at this very specific time. And just like, Honest Eds is in the background and they play shows at least Palace or like going up to Casa Loma. It's just very Toronto based. And anyone who knows me knows how much I love this city. Um, so yeah, it just holds such a special place in my heart and watching it now. It's so funny because everyone who's in the movie basically made it big with a couple of exceptions, but yeah, it's just like these really big movie stars doing this kind of weird film that I have I have yet to see something that is quite like it and the fact that a lot of them all came back to do this show like they lent their voices they all came back yeah and they're all stars like all of them have gone on to do or a lot of them have gone to do like a lot of stuff and they all just came back probably goes to show how fun the movie was to make 
You could yeah, tell they were having fun. It seems like they all really like each other and like had a lot of fun making the movie because even during the pandemic, uh, on like one of the um, anniversaries of the movie, they got together and did like a, a Zoom table read. Oh, and just the fact that I mean, not that anyone was really working a lot during that time, but just the fact that they all got together and were down. Like, obviously, no one hates each other. Everyone's pretty yeah. happy with like Edgar Wright and each other and. Yeah, it seems like they are actually friends. Because the way I think this show came about was that Michael Cera, like, accidentally texted, like, revived their old group chat. Accidentally? <laughs> I thought he didn't yeah, have he, a phone. He, like, sent them a message, like, to the wrong group chat. And it was, like, the Scott Pilgrim group chat that hadn't mm. been active for a while. I, I don't quote me on that. I think I saw okay. that somewhere. Right. But, like, you guys can do your own research. Yes, we won't. That's what we, we always could. tell our. Um, that's what we always tell our listeners. <laughs> you own research because we're not gonna. <laughs> well, one of the other things that I wanted to just say um, is that you seem to also have a pretty good pulse for these book movie clubs as to what's going to excite our listeners because the response to this has been pretty good. And I think the last book movie club we did, the the most amount of people signed up or asked questions, and I'm pretty sure we surpassed. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But I'm pretty sure we surpassed it again with this. Like that's it just, great. Yeah, you, know, you, I, keep, you you get it right every time. <laughs> yeah, I really. I mean, the pressure just keeps mounting. Um, I was just looking at like what was currently out. That was an adaptation that you guys haven't already done. Because um, I mean, like, if we wanted to, we could talk about the color purple as being an adaptation of a book and a movie and a musical. <laughs> oh right, yeah, twice, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Poor Things is actually an adaptation as well of like a book that I had never heard of, but now I want to read it. Oh, um, I didn't know that. That's a book? Yeah. I didn't know it, that. Yeah, it was, uh, I, lo- I only found out after when I was reading about the movie. Um, but there weren't any like big time adaptations and because the show had just come out and, you know, a graphic novel, even though there are seven of them, six or seven of the graphic novels, like you only have to read one. It's not a huge commitment. And yeah. it's been out for a while. So you can generally, like I found, um, I don't know where my original copy was. So I had to go out and find another one. And I found it at like a used bookstore because they're just, especially in Toronto, you can't can't throw a stone without hitting <laughs> Scott Pilgrim <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's very much, very much adopted by Toronto with the, with the setting. I remember yeah. thinking that was cool. When I saw the movie, I'd never heard of the graphic novel prior. I obviously did, you know, and looked into it after. But when I went to see the movie, I thought that was one of the cool things of Michael Sarah, who I've seen in things like seeing these people who I've seen in other things be in a, a movie that was like set in Toronto and had like actual, you could tell it was set in Toronto. It wasn't just set in Toronto, but like filmed Pretending somewhere else. Like, somewhere else yeah. yeah, like it was very much like this is Toronto. They're in Canada. Here's some Canadian money. And I, I thought that was so neat to see. So I remember yeah. that pulling me into, yeah. And um, I like, oh, I'm just going to jump in real quick, Mike. I like that the graphic or the, the I, I'm going to call it an anime because it looked like anime style to me. Yeah. The TV it, show on it, Netflix. It's accurate. safe to say it's anime, right? Yeah. Um, they also, I like that they maintained the Canadian piece. With it being Netflix, it could have gone either way, right? They, they could have. Yeah. But I think Toronto is almost its own character in the story. So yeah, that was nice to see. Yeah. 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 I think one of the things that would have happened though, if Netflix did that, is there would have been a big backlash. I know Canada is not bigger than the States, but I just feel like enough people love Scott Pilgrim and the lore around it. I feel like that would have been a topic. So they probably would have wanted to avoid that. You know, was it big in the States? Did it perform well in the States? I mean, in terms of its, like, box office, do you mean? Or, or like, critical response? Both. To, like, it's sometimes hard when there's, like, a big... I guess it wasn't a Canadian movie, but because it's set mm. in Canada, has a Canadian star, um, it was, like, a cultural phenomenon in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, like, was it this... Is it received the same way in America? I have no idea. It, it has was, a lot of American actors. Like, it's... In terms of its box office, it was one of those, like slow grow movies that didn't have a big opening weekend but over time managed to make its money back and then had a really good like post movie release like there were a lot of like dvd sales that went with it like i think it's one of those like cult classics that were sort of found and discovered yeah i would say that it has like a cult 
following in the States. And I mean, you can call it a cult following here too. Like even when it came out, I don't remember it being like as big of a deal, but like among our age group, it definitely was. We have fan questions about that actually, which we'll get to later, but we have fan questions actually just about what the buzz was around the movie when it came out in the trailer and like how we feel about that and what we remember about that. So put a pin in that because we're going to have to answer that question about our memories of going to see it because a lot of fans are pointing out the same thing that it wasn't necessarily on their radar even when it came out. So that's very interesting. Um, Before we dive into it though, um, I just want to give my weekly shout out to Reelout. Uh, Reelout is celebrating its 25th festival here in Kingston. February 1st is when it launches. Um, I got to say what's really interesting about this one is you've got like over 80 films from all around the world coming right here to Kingston. Check out like most of their programming at the screening room, I'm pretty sure. I know they have like some events and things offsite, but the screening room is housing a lot of these events, independent film from new up and coming filmmakers. So just a shout out, I'll have more information at the end of this episode, but go check out the reload uh, and support the screening room. Of course, we love the screening room. Can't get there as much as we all want to, but we love Great the place. Room. Yeah, absolutely. Best popcorn. Um, okay. Uh, let's dive into it because as I mentioned, we do have quite a bit of fan questions, but we'll get to that in a little bit, but we want to start off the same way we always do. Katie, you're our expert. You're our special guest, so can you kick things off and start talking about Scott Pilgrim? Wherever you want to begin, if you want to talk about the novel, movie, TV show, wherever you want to begin, take it away, and we'll dive into it. Yeah, I feel like we've talked about um, the movie a bit. Like, the graphic novel, again, it's something that I I read the graphic novels after the movie had come out, which is unusual for me to do. Um, But yeah, I remember tracking them down and reading them. Um, and they're different from the movie for sure, but, um, yeah, no, they, they were a good time. And like, it was kind of interesting because you could really tell that the author was aging as he was, oh, I said that in a way that made it sound like he was like ancient, but you could tell that he was like, (laughs) maturing maturing while he was writing them. Right. They do get much more. Um, self-reflective on like the character of Scott Pilgrim and kind of the way that the movie does in that way of like you know Scott Pilgrim isn't actually like he's the protagonist of the movie but that doesn't mean that he's like the great like a good guy like he's dating a high school at the beginning and I think that um sometimes people do like miss the point of the movie I think because for me it's like yeah Scott Pilgrim isn't like a great guy but he's like Mm. growing and learning and maturing because yes. people are always like, oh, I don't really get Scott Pilgrim. Like, he's really annoying. And I'm like, yeah, he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. He, he grows and changes throughout. Yeah, like, and, it's, it's that progression you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And it's even more so in the book. And I think that just because in the graphic novels, like the author was growing up and maturing while he was writing them. It's yeah. harder to do that in yeah. like a two hour movie. Two hour movie. That's, yeah, that's a really good point. Like, I do think, like we always bring up, I feel like, a broken record because I feel like I say this every time it's it, like in the medium of a book or a graphic novel you have more time to develop those things and I just feel like the journey of Scott yes you may feel that way at the beginning but y- you change and grow with him within your feelings of him but in a two-hour movie that's really really hard to do so yeah I yeah. read. Re- sorry Katie I just to jump in real quick I read recently that the director specifically wanted Michael Sarah because audiences would be able to tolerate him even though he's kind of a jerk in the movie <laughs> it was a good casting him yeah, like, yeah I, I, I really think yeah. yeah i will say that was um you know reading the i only read the first graphic novel to compare it to the movie but the casting was pretty spot on all around all like across the board in my opinion yeah. even in just terms of like looks I know that sounds weird because it's a it's a graphic novel and it's not very detailed, mm-hmm. but I was really impressed with the cast of the yeah. of the movie. Yeah, well, I guess I, I mean, guess it's the same. The, what am I saying? Yeah, the anime, <laughs> their their little cartoon. You, guys, you brought so. up looks, so I was just saying, like in terms of the look of them in the original movie, because obviously you can do a lot with anime to change a look regardless of who the voice is. But you're talking about like the look of them in that movie originally. You thought it across the board, everyone fit. They really nailed it, except yeah. for 
The only one where I thought, but it, I think because he's underdeveloped in the graphic novel, the lead of the band. What's Katie do? Uh, Neil? No, not Steve. Yeah, Stephen yeah. Stills. That's it. That, Mark I Brown. didn't get the same vibe. But like Allison, Allison Pill plays the drummer, right? Yeah, yeah Kim. Per- perfect casting for yeah. Kim versus compared to the graphic novel. So yeah, I was impressed by the casting. And I, I'm like Katie, I return I didn't read the graphic novel first. This was the first time I read the graphic novel just a couple weeks ago. I never right. I didn't read it. I wasn't into graphic novels growing up. It wasn't my yeah, yeah. medium choice. I, I definitely discovered it after because as I mentioned, when I went to see Scott Pilgrim, I didn't know anything about it. It was honestly just one of those movies where it's like, oh, this is playing. I'll go check it out. I don't know much about this. I wasn't even into trailers much back then. So I just sort of went and saw it. And yeah, afterwards, that's when I discovered there's a graphic novel. I read it a couple of years later. I have, I have two, I have two of them um, somewhere. I don't know where I put them. Um, but yeah, I, I discovered it later and, and remember really liking it. But I've, I've always loved comics and graphic novels. So it was an easier transition. And that's one of the things I loved about that movie. It had such a comic book comic feel, book but feel, doing it. Yeah. yeah. But doing it right in a way that like you're using the medium of film to make the comic kind of come alive. Now there's like the video game aspect too, but it just felt like I was watching a comic book, which I thought was really, really cool. I think yeah. graphic novels uh, translate well to film because essentially they're storyboards. <laughs> it's, hard to, it's hard to screw up. You'd be surprised, Taylor. I mean, well, we talk yes, about it I all on this show. I don't watch. I don't it's really watch Marvel, easy so I don't know. to screw things up. It seems, but but you're right. Like that, it's a it's a really interesting transition. And what I liked about the movie was they used the medium of film to do fun and interesting things. I'll always remember the like bubbles popping up like it was in a comic book, but you can pan the camera around so when you're pointing out things in the room, right? Like that opening scene of like this is who owns this and this is whatever you can do that. And it translates to anime well, and it tra- like it, it transcends those. If you're willing to do it, if, if you get too stuck on, no, we're doing like a hardcore gritty Scott Pilgrim, it wouldn't have worked. So like leaning into the absurdity just worked for the film. And of course it works really great for the TV show. Yeah. Do we want to talk about the TV show a little bit? Yeah. I mean, go, go right into it. Like what, what are your thoughts on the TV show? Um, so I watched all of it. I don't know if you guys watched the whole series or just... We both watched episode one and part of episode two. <laughs> How could we not start episode two with the way episode one... We're oh, like, yeah. We're going to talk spoilers, right, Mike? The, no, oh, 100%. We have to. to. We have okay. to. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the biggest divergence from both the book and the movie is the cliffhanger at the end of episode one where... Drum roll, Up into, please, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Scott died. Oh, drum roll. Yeah. Yeah. Say it again. I talk. Say it again, Taylor. I talked over you. Scott dies. That, which is not that is not how it goes. I mean, I don't know what happens in the the other graphic novels, Katie. If he he dies like later on in the series and comes back, I guess technically he dies in the movie too. But um, was not expecting that after for the pilot. Was not expecting that whatsoever. Up until yeah. that point, I thought I was watching Scott Pilgrim. I'm like, I, 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 there's a moment where I'm like, this is just the movie. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, what so were you? The series, it's like it was, it was very fun. I love that they decided to do this. Um, like you, after watching the first episode, it was like, I was like, wait, what's that? What? <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that it goes off the rails a little bit in the middle. Okay. <laughs> But then it does stick the landing. Now, um, when you say go off the rails, I know I know Taylor and I haven't seen it, but we, we can do a little bit of spoilers here. Just wondering if you can walk us through that a little bit. Like, how, how did you feel like it didn't, like it was kind just, of going off? So, okay. So here are the things that I liked about it. I liked that you, fle- because Scott dies at the end of the first episode, um, you get to spend more time with the other characters. So you get to spend more time with Ramona and like, at her as a person, not just her through the eyes of Scott. Not the manic dream girl. Yeah, and you get to spend more time with like a lot of the exes, like um, mm. Lucas Lee, and you spend a lot more time with Wallace, which again I love Kieran Culkin, so yeah. I'm very happy yeah. to do that. 
Um, so they flesh everyone out. Jason Schwartzman's character, um, Gideon as well. They flesh him out in Aubrey Plaza's character. So that is nice. Um, you still don't really find out anything about the twins, which was a little bit frustrating because you don't really get anything about them in the movie either. No, no, no. And so I was like, oh, maybe we'll actually find out something about them. And like, you find out a little bit more, but not, not really anything. Okay. Um, just plot wise, they, they do a lot of, like, there's one episode where, um, Ramona and then Roxy may, may Whitman's character. Is it may Whitman? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I think so. Yeah, Maywin's character, they end up, like, being transported into a movie. <laughs> so, yeah, that's getting a little... So, like, there's that, and then there's another part where, like, they're making the Scott Pilgrim movie because the screenplay was written by young Neil, and it's just, like, the layers of meta get a little out of control. Right, right. Um, yeah. Stay dead the whole series? Do you want me to spoil it? Yeah. yeah, let's get into it. Let's just do okay, it. Okay, yeah. so it turns out he's not actually dead. Someone oh. opened a portal and, like, stole him into a different dimension. So Is that, is that sort of um, that sort of meta metaphysics stuff? Sorry. Yeah. I'm very tired. I'm a little bit sick, so I'm stumbling on my words this episode. Um is that stuff, is that in the graphic novel? Because it's not really, it's, none of that stuff is explained in the movie. We just take for granted that we kind of live in a world where character or people fight like they're in video games. Is well, that- it isn't, it isn't because in the book and even in the movie, like Ramona uses Scott's subconscious true, as like true. a highway. So right. it's, it's working on that same level. And it's basically okay. like someone has opened a vegan portal because of the vegan powers. Right. So she has to figure out who it is, and she thinks it's Todd, but it's not Todd. It was actually the twins who did it. But there's also a robot that they're working with. Oh, which you see in the second episode, right? Yeah, so it's like the robots behind it all. (laughs) But then it turns out that it's actually old Scott who did it to stop him from dating Ramona. Oh, so it's kind of like a time-traveling... Because in the future, Scott and Ramona are married, and like they're unhappy. Right. So then it comes back to like what I liked about the show in that it turns into this kind of like eternal sunshine on the spotless mind type thing where even if you know how something is going to end, but you love the other person, like, are you still going to do it? Mm, yeah. That's, and wow. is that, that's not how it shakes out in the graphic novels, right? The graphic novels are just the seven X's. Yes. The characters do get a little bit more fleshed out in the graphic novels. Like Stephen yeah. Stills, I remember distinctly, he has like a whole coming out and like gay storyline, oh. which doesn't get touched upon in the movie or like the show. No. Hmm. They just decide not to go there. So like the characters do get fleshed out in the books. It's been a while since I, and maybe I like didn't read them all now that I'm thinking about it. But to my recollection, like you don't have this like future Scott situation in the right yeah what i rem what i sort of remember and when i latched onto him from what i read this time around it was very much the seven x's like it's more detailed but that's where the heart of the story is and certainly that's what i always remembered about it so regardless of what else was in there that I was always like, the thing that I, I liked a lot i know your memory's not good but i feel like you would remember vegan robots and old scott if you had <laughs> If that was well, back back when I read them all the way through, I pro- like I'm being completely serious here. I probably wouldn't have known what the word vegan meant, so I would have just passed by, been like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> robot word I don't understand." Continue on, like that's how I would have handled that situation. So that's I don't 100 percent know if that's true. <laughs> oh, and just for our listeners, as a reminder, Mike was not born in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> No, I went through high school not knowing what a vegan was. I got to tell you, the like common use of vegan, maybe it was around back then, but not in my high school. I never heard that word till maybe third, second, third year university. Like I, I didn't know what a vegan was through high school. Absolutely not. No, no huh. idea. I barely, I mean, I knew what a vegetarian was, but that was, even that was a relatively new concept that I had heard, like never even heard of it. Bless your Is that weird? I don't know. 
majorly weird. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Honestly, I, I, I remember that being more of a modern right? You went to a performing arts high school in Toronto. You definitely had vegans in your school, I bet. Yeah, like I knew what a vegan was. <laughs> okay, well, what can I tell you? <laughs> I grew up in a small town next to <laughs> another I, small town. <laughs> unless I learned about what a vegan was from Scott Pilgrim, but I'm True. pretty sure I knew before then what. I had a thing when I was in high school that if I didn't know what a word was, I didn't look it up. I just ignored its existence. So <laughs> I would not have known. I would just like, oh, of course, like pretend I know what's going on. Just move on with my life. So yeah. Speaking no, of character know. growth, Mike now looks up the words he doesn't know. Usually, yes. I could Google them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in terms of that, Katie, I mean, I know you got into it a little bit, but you know, what the kind of idea of this book movie club is doing these comparisons, like in terms of what they changed for the movie or the TV show from the graphic novel, either, either, or both. Like, can you give us some things that you did really like about the changes or things that you wanted them to not change or see, seen done differently? Any thoughts on that? Um, yeah. So in terms of like book to movie, I think that the changes that they made just really had to do with like the length. And, like, you can't fit all of the graphic novels into one movie, so you decide to cut things out. But, like, the essence is there. Like, you still have the Seven Evil Exes. You still get that redemption arc and that growth from Scott. Um, you still get the band. Again, it it would be nice to, like, flesh out the members of the band a little bit more. Mm. Uh, especially, mm. like, Stephen and Young Neil. You don't really find out anything about them in the movies as much. <laughs> um, and then even in the TV show, too, I think that that was what I was the most disappointed in because... They spend some so much time fleshing out other characters, but with Steven and Knives, they don't really do a whole lot with them. They kind of make them a band, and then their focus is just, like, on their music. Mm. And that might just have to do with availabilities. Like, like, maybe neither of them were available to record all that much. They just had to make do with it. Like, there might be reasons for it. Sure. I just wish that maybe we spent a bit more time with them in the um tv show um and then again with the tv show it's not like an adaptation necessarily of the novels it's taking the source material and then doing something different with it yeah i had one gripe with the tv show from like a production standpoint and this was actually pointed out to me by um a friend of mine at work because i was i was wondering why it it felt weird to watch like there was just something off about it and he was like oh yeah it's because there's not really any sound design so you just get these like really long silences. I didn't that's notice true. that. That's yeah, no, now like, that you pointed out. Yeah. 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 And like when they're talking in conversation where it's like, you know, the movie, you have like the sound of the streetcar, like the sound yeah. of Toronto because ambience is so loud. There's no, there's not really any ambience or like ambient noise in the TV show. And so that's why I think once he said that it made sense and I was able to like enjoy it a little bit more because I knew it was happening because <laughs> initially when I was watching it I was like I just feel kind of unsettled and I can't figure out why that's how I felt about the Jeffrey Dahmer show with Evan Peters and I only watched the first episode because there was no soundtrack to it interesting choice yeah. for the tv show considering that music is such a major part of the book and movie do yeah, they downplay I mean the music element in the tv show yeah, I think that that was also um, one thing that I did feel like was missing from the TV show. Like, they do have one big performance, which I won't spoil because it is fun, um, but it takes place at Scott's funeral. Yes. And, but that's really the only, I'm, I'm thinking, but I think that's really the only instance of like, you know, a, a big song being in the movie and... I'd say that, sorry, of the TV show. And I'd say that the in the movie, like, the music is so important and so key. And, like, I still listen to that soundtrack sometimes. Just It's very memorable. It was very yeah. memorable, for sure. Well, I just think it's so, that's, like you said, Katie, it's like a time and a place. That, like, hipster, underground, indie music scene. It's just, like, so of that time. And it's, like, to me, so part of the movie and even the the book so it's weird that they downplayed that for all of the weird time portals <laughs> but again like you said katie it might it might have been um not enough time to record or maybe they didn't have the budget for 
music rights because um a lot of those songs are they not covers in the movie like there's a metric cover like you said so fascinating that you bring up the metric cover because that song was written for the movie oh I had Isn't no that, idea. I had no idea until I was reading recently um, an interview with uh, Emily Haynes from Metric because Edgar Wright was like, I want you to write a song for this movie. And like, I want it to kind of sound like a Metric song. So is, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Um, Brie Larson. Yeah, Brie Larson. is Brie Larson not singing it? I think she is singing it because currently you can't, like Metric afterwards release the song as theirs right it's like it was big much music song yeah so like on spotify there is a metric version but there's also a brie larson version hmm that's an interesting fact (coughs) yeah i'm yeah it's like pretty i totally thought it was a cover of a metric song which mike you talking about there's gonna be a question about memories talking how memories are so faulty right (laughs) There sure is. Larson. There's a question about memories and Brie Larson. So, ooh, got time, got time. Yeah, it's it's interesting that our fans wrote in a lot. We we should move into fan questions just because we do have quite a few long ones to get into. Um, our fans like to write uh, a lot, uh, and also I've noticed recently this used to just be a Tyler Vance thing. A lot of people are putting the postscript like P.S. at their emails. <laughs> you could just continue the email, everyone. Like you could just you don't have to say. Yes. You can move it up into the body. It can be a body sure. paragraph. <laughs> there's no, there's no format here. Um, but yeah, why, why don't we dive right into fan questions? Because I think it might s- certainly hit upon a lot that we're talking about. Um, so let's just go into those and then we can see where that takes us. Um, so the first question here, I'll get right into the memory one because seeing as we're talking specifically about the film. Um, so this comes from Katie. I assume this isn't you, Katie. No, I would not ask myself that question. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so so Katie, Katie writes in and says, one of the things that I remember about this movie was I really didn't think that there was much hype before going to the theater. I don't remember enjoying the trailer that much. I don't even remember really thinking about this movie. But then it was one of those things where a bunch of us were looking for a movie to watch and we thought, hey, let's go see Scott Pilgrim versus the world. We have no idea what this is. We'll see what happens. And we were absolutely thrilled by our choice. Do each of you remember the time you went to see Scott Pilgrim and did you see it in the theaters? And did you have any hype or any preparation going into it thinking that you were going to like the movie or enjoy it? Or were you like me where you didn't really know what to expect? Katie, you go first. You jump in. Yeah, I think that, I mean, I kind of talked about this at the beginning because I just got excited, but um, there were a couple of scenes that were filmed in my high school And so I was aware of the movie. I don't really remember seeing the trailer, but there was definitely just hype at school about the movie because we, it was like filmed um, at our, at our school. So I do remember going to see it. I remember going to see it with a guy that I was crushing on. Um, He was a year older than me. We were in the theater. Yandeloso. We were like a group of friends, but I had maneuvered myself (laughs) so that we would be able to sit beside each other. (laughs) Smooth move, smooth move. Yeah, and I just, and he was, um, we were both, like, band students. I hope he's not listening to this now, but <laughs> what are the chances? Um, One of we our biggest like, fans. <laughs> I know. We were both, like, in band, and so we had the same kind of taste in music. So after watching the movie, we were both just kind of like, oh, man, that was so amazing. I love the music, the social scene, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I just remember having a really good time with it. And I think, like, again, my friends and I were hyped for it, but my friends who didn't go to my school, I don't remember the hype being existent at all. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with uh, Katie who wrote in, where I just remember, I do remember going to see this, but I remember it just being a last minute sort of decision. Yeah, okay, we'll check that out, might be interesting. And then really enjoying it and not knowing anything about it, going into it. So that's kind of what I remember. Taylor, I don't know your memory, I, my memory. I don't know. It's, I want to memory questions are tough. They are. It's always tough. I a walk down memory lane. I want to correct when I said cultural phenomena. It definitely, I it became a cultural phenomena. Like I don't think it was. Yeah. yeah. Like exactly both of your recollections. Um, I'm just looking. It came out summer of 2010. 
So I think I would have been in first year university, university like yeah. just done university, broken up with my evil ex by then. So I thought I saw this movie with my evil ex. I, I would have been broken up with him by then. So I think I went with girlfriends maybe. And again, like classic on summer break. It's it's summertime. Let's go. What's playing at the movie theater? Huh? This movie looks interesting. And we went to see it. And to be quite honest, I that was the only time I ever saw that movie. I cannot remember if I liked it or not. <laughs> so revisiting it now, I'm like, wow, this movie really held up. Like I quite enjoyed my rewatch, but I can't remember if I thought it was like weird. I don't know. Like I, I was like seriously watching movies by first year university so it wouldn't have been like too too out there for me I yeah I can't remember but I never this was the first time I rewatched it so it wasn't it didn't become part of my um circulation I should say of movies Katie do you is this one that you watch often yeah it's in my top five yeah okay because you both brought up uh your dating situations at that point i went to look to see what year and exactly when it came out to see if i could contribute and i don't remember so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like august of 2010 i'm like i don't remember so if you were with a girl our apologies mike does not remember you <laughs> or depending upon who it is no apologies true um, fair fair <laughs> <laughs> let's go let's go to the next question here um uh, this is from martin i think because there's an accent Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, One of the highlights for me about rewatching and revisiting this movie was how much I felt like the visual style really matched what I remembered from watching, from, sorry, from reading the graphic novel. Um, I'm I want to apologize that I didn't have a chance to go back and read it, um, but I still thought I wanted to write in because to me, that was really the key point that I remember. The visual style of the movie really matched for me and I loved it. Any highlights for any of you of visual moments from that movie that really stuck with you? The coins and how they're also you don't have to. Can I just say you don't have to apologize, by the way, for not reading the novel like that. Never. Yeah, we know we're not the book police. Katie. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to. Mike and I aren't. (laughs) That's true. Katie might be angry. We. we, That's right. I shouldn't speak for everyone. Not at all. (laughs) Okay. good. (laughs) Anyway, Taylor, you were saying the coins stuck out for you. Yeah, because that's I think that's. Well, there's lots of moments, like like you said, Mike, like when they pan and it like pops up, mm-hmm. it pops up like um, uh, Wallace owns this. And when they introduce characters, it like brings yeah. up their stats. Yes, but I think I when, like like, when, when the first X dies and turns into coins, you're like, oh, this is not your typical movie. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> okay, they're leaning into this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I definitely remember the coins. But yeah, I think for me, the stats... That was the thing to see the the stats come up and those kind of introductory things again things that you would see in a definitely in in a, a game if you're playing like a game and you come up to like your next foe that their stats pop up I thought that was really cool I always will remember that. Um, yeah, I think uh, Taylor, you mentioned the like when they're in Wallace's apartment and it's like everything is owned by Wallace. I remember getting a kick out of that. Uh, the stats for sure. I just think anytime the visuals are used as like a gag where someone says something and then a visual pops up that obviously like contradicts it. Yeah. Um, and like they do that with the narration too. And he's like, oh, you know, my breakup with Envy was totally mutual. And then the narrator goes, it was like not mutual. Yeah. And, and just things like that. Um, I, I like, I think it's fun. I think it's, we often complain on the show about how when filmmakers want to make not risky choices, but like visual choices and they're not consistent. I will, this movie was very consistent from start to end in terms of visuals. Like all of those, like you said, Katie, those like those gags, they were funny from start to finish. And it wasn't like they left off like halfway through the movie. They like consistently were using those style choices, which I really liked. And um, I don't know if the TV show well, you plot wise, you said it's not as consistent, but like I don't know if visually the 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 TV shows as consistent as the movie. Yeah, they don't do the same kind of things that the movie does. Be- just because it's an anime as opposed to like real life, and then the movie's making it seem like a video game. 
Right. And I guess anime is hyper stylized anyways. Like they do yeah. like the anime faces when like Scott's embarrassed or whatever. Or like when he yeah. when he's crushing on Ramona. Uh, next question here comes from Leanne. Uh, Leanne uh, starts by saying, I don't know if I'm in this book or movie club and I have no idea how to join, but I thought I would write in anyway. Um, <laughs> you're a listener, question... you're in the club. <laughs> then you're <laughs> in, you yeah. Like <laughs> there you go. Uh, so then she asks, um, picking from either the movie or the graphic novel, or as a comparison to both of them, which character is your favorite and why is it Wallace? <laughs> yeah i guess we know leanne's favorite <laughs> it absolutely um is wallace it always will be wallace i mean i've like been a big kieran colgan fan from day one um from when he was a kid acting like i preferred him to macaulay colgan oh um, he's great yeah but kieran colgan is in father of the bride and he's fabulous oh, right. that yeah, oh that's true that's true yeah yeah, yeah. he's great yeah, in that movie. He, yeah. He was nominated for like a an Oscar, I think, for something as a kid too, or like some kind of big award. I forget the movie. The he was, he was also in Signs. He was the kid in Signs. Yeah, so he was the Culkin in that one. Yeah, he's so he's been around, and like obviously, my love for him has only grown with. Uh, I'm a big Succession fan, and he's just my favorite part of that show. So it's always been Wallace, and has just continued to be Wallace, just because I think um, Kieran Culkin just does something so great it, it feels like he's not playing a character and i don't know he might not be but uh, <laughs> yeah i think that's why i uh was very disappointed when the tv show didn't have the iconic line is she a boy too or yeah <laughs> that that was really disappointing um because it's just such great he is probably one of the best delivered lines in cinematic history <laughs> i think i butchered the line but you guys know when he's on I, and yeah yeah that's cool, like, boy too. <laughs> and like Wallace is, yes. He so he's so he's the funniest character. He's also supposed to be like Scott's moral center, but at yeah. the same time, he's kind of a jerk because he keeps just stealing people's boyfriends. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Which is played for gags, but when you think about it, it's like maybe you should just stop trying to steal people's boyfriends. Yeah, I think when I remember, like, I think I I was a little biased to begin because i i i think i had a crush on anna kendrick in that movie so yeah. i think i think i was biased and i was like i want to see more stacy stuff but i think one one to me one scene stealer not just from the movie but like even the voice work like i just think jason Schwartzman is so good with his delivery and like playing kind of absurd big bigger than life villain kind of character I just feel like that's another one that has always stuck out to me. And I think he's every movie I've seen in him of him, like recently, I've just really enjoyed his performances. Like, I feel like he, he gives it all. I, yeah. That brings, sorry, Katie, just real. I have a quick question for you. Cause you've, and for Mike too, cause you were the graphic novels. The one thing I noticed from the graphic novels in the movie, in the movie, she has that chip, right. Where she's like, oh, like I literally, I'm literally chipped or whatever. That's like yeah. why she can't get away from Gideon. Is that fleshed out in the in the graphic novels? Because it's a very throwaway thing in the movie. Um, I, Oh, I can't remember. This is awful. Because for this podcast, I only reread the first one. Yeah, fair um, enough. So I do not remember if that is fleshed out later. But I, my instinct is no. Yeah, I just don't like how they kind of introduce that subatomic highway in the brain or whatever, and they kind of just yeah. like, yep, that's 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 what it is. I always felt in the movie it was supposed to be like kind of the idea that women stay with men who are bad for them. That's or what like, I thought so too, but then they kind of undermine it by being like, she's chipped, she's micro yeah. chipped. But like that is sometimes what it feel, what it can oh, feel yeah. like. I think it was so. An allegory or a symbol. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, no, I know Schwartzman is so great. I will also just say honorable mention for me for Knives Chow because she's mm. doing a lot in the movie, definitely, um, and also has her own like growth arc. And it's just you know the part where she's freaking out because Ramona's dating Scott, so she's dyeing her hair, and 
you know, her friends in the bathroom with her. And she said, I didn't even know there was good music till this year. Like, I just think that's so relatable for a lot of people in high school. And I just really, really, I do yeah. have such a soft spot for knives. Yeah, she was great. Uh, our next question here um, comes from Akil, often longtime writer in of questions. Um, I think my favorite part of re-watching the movie and then comparing it to the TV show, brackets, sorry that I couldn't uh, read, the, read the graphic novel. Um, I thought that I really was, I really enjoyed that we got a chance to spend more time with Ramona in the TV show. I felt like we got a little bit more sense of her, um, not just from one skewed view of who she was. We got a chance to get to know her character a little bit more. Not that that's something I necessarily pointed out or thought about when I saw the movie, but now comparing the two, I'm looking back and saying, yeah, this is a good thing that we got a little more chance to see Ramona. Were there any moments for any of you while rewatching this or reading the novel where you look back at the movie and feel differently about something that you didn't feel before. Akil always has these thoughtful questions yeah. that, I, that yeah. I sh we should probably read in advance and, and <laughs> ruminate on. <laughs> like I said, so anything, I, yeah. Anything looking back on. I don't remember my first watch through. So it's hard to say like how I re am I, do I react to the movie differently than when I first watched it? I do agree that in the movie, Ramona's not fleshed out. She's definitely Manic Pixie Dream Girl. Um, we really have no reason to know why Scott likes her other than that she's quote unquote cool. Uh, whatever that means. Um, so yeah, I agree in that regard. But in terms of have my feelings changed? It was honestly, it was like watching the movie fresh in a lot of ways. So I can't answer the, the question accurately. Katie, do you have feelings? Um, well, unlike you, I watch this movie at Often. least once a year. <laughs> yeah, at least once a year. Um, and I will say that, like, it's it's definitely changed for me, like, even without the TV show, um, just the way that I watch this movie, you know, as I've gotten older and I've matured and have different views on, like, what healthy relationships look like, um, watching the movies definitely changed for me. Um, I, I agree with Akil. I think I said... Like, I like that the TV show, you spend a lot more time with Ramona and you realize that she's also a flawed individual, which you get in the movie a little bit. But again, the movie is just from the point of view of Scott. So you're only seeing her through his eyes. And so in the TV show, when you finally have her and she's forced to kind of reckon with some of the things that she's done and like the ways in which she's hurt people and hasn't been the greatest partner um, that like I did think that that was interesting and yeah I, I guess the biggest realization is watching the movie now just knowing that it's all from Scott's perspective yeah no I think that's a, that's a fair point yeah I, I also can't remember really <laughs> um, now again I re did rewatch the movie I just don't remember what my initial thoughts were so yeah it's hard to kind of kind of compare it back but that was well good good we'll leave it at that katie because that was a good answer um okay let's move on to someone who's uh, making an appearance from literally out of nowhere tyler vance the missing tyler vance has returned it's not out of nowhere uh, it's out of baby land he's been busy well yeah that was that was yeah that was the joke taylor i'm sorry sorry i shouldn't make those kinds of jokes around <laughs> other other parents <laughs> Because <laughs> then everyone's just like, you know. Very sensitive. We're very <laughs> no, sensitive. very much so. Why don't I just read the question? Yes, go ahead. Um, hello, Screening in Kingston. I'm back. He's pausing for applause. Uh, in, in anticipation of your upcoming book club, I have a few questions concerning the film version of Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, a.k.a. one of my favorite movies of all time. Number one. I almost didn't see this movie in theaters originally due to the poor quality of the trailer. Have you ever been pleasantly surprised by a great film after a terrible trailer? So this trailer mustn't have been good then, because if Tyler's bringing it up too, this is the second person to bring this up. Katie, did you watch the trailer? I, I don't have any memory of it. I like don't have a memory of it. I, so. no, I, I don't even think I've watched it. Like I can't even. Yeah. Because... But have I been pleasantly surprised by other movies? Yeah, any <laughs> anything else? Yeah, yeah, any um, any other movie that you've been pleasantly surprised by? This is gonna be such a hot take, and I feel like I'm gonna start something here. But um, 
I went to see Wonka and I absolutely loved it. And I thought it was going to be terrible from the trailer. <laughs> I don't think that's don't, a, a, a hot I don't, take. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. Like, I feel like a lot of people were begging us to do that. They were yeah, begging yeah. us to open our hearts to Timothy Chalamet. I, I didn't hate Wonka, but I, I mean, I didn't particularly like it, but I definitely didn't hate it. So I, it's I just think it's a very yeah. controversial movie, I feel like. It really? Okay. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Right, husband. Yeah. Um, I'm, we're going to move on because we've got a couple more to get to. And Tyler's got a few more questions here because he's Tyler. Um, do we as a society think that this is Michael Sarah's best performance? No. His, Someone his else has a question about this. Someone else. Taylor, you stole the other fans question. I think that I think what what's his name in Barbie? Do you guys remember? Alan. 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 Hands down. He was Alan is his best performance. I just want to give a quick shout out to Kristen, who did write in and asked, which performance do you prefer of Michael Sarah, Scott Pilgrim, or Barbie? So let's answer that while we do this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it is it is kind of comparing apples to oranges. They're both so different. Oh, very like much so. Scott Pilgrim, he's the lead in a movie, whereas in Barbie, he's a a punchline which don't get me wrong a big fan of barbie love barbie love michael sierra and barbie um i think his best performance honestly is arrested development i know it's kind of a combo because it's a show but like just looking at him in arrested development makes me laugh i didn't even know he was in that what mike i've never on. watched arrested development yeah oh, oh wow. he's amazing i thought it was a jason bateman thing dan did the michael sarah walk today from arrested development literally the, you know, the Charlie Brown, Katie? Yeah, the Charlie Brown with your head. Yeah, you literally did that today. Iconic performance in this household. Oh, okay. And, you know, shout out to Juno, which I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. (laughs) Also very formative for me, like, thought that, I mean, my nickname in grad school, as Taylor will tell you, was Juno. I gave it to you. Even before I knew Juno was your favorite movie, I christened you Juno. Uh, last question from Tyler. There is a large portion of a, of our older fan base for move for this movie, data not shown, that thinks that Scott should have ended up with knives at the end. I find this to be a ridiculous take. She was too good for him anyway. But how do you all feel about that? She can we just say that she is seventeen years old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he, oh, he, I was just reading the wikipedia page apparently there is an old ending where he does end up with knives yeah not i definitely not a fan of this movie if he ends up with knives the whole thing is that she's in high school and i feel like at the beginning they make it very clear that they have not engaged in anything like physical and the the majority of the characters do not condone the relationship yes yes they make everything is very clear like everyone thinks this is weird Except for young Neil, who weirdly ends up with knives, I think, in the movie. Or they like. Yeah, but I think young Neil is also only 19. Okay, so less cringe, but still. Yeah, whereas Scott in the movie is what, like 24, I think? 23. Something like But that. still, like, yeah. well out of high school. Yeah. No, so um, okay. Tyler Vance, if you're part of that old, old audience, no data person you're wrong that's cringy and weird it's like no he he said it was a ridiculous take i'll just okay okay good put that out there for for fans um but i'll just finish this email quickly here uh thanks for the consistently high quality programming and i'm looking forward to hearing how the new show stacks up to this film sincerely tyler bread makes you fat vance oh tyler (laughs) my absolute favorite line in the movie i say that all the time and the delivery. That, like, that, the delivery of that line is very good. With his mouth just full of garlic bread. Yeah. P.S. My sincere thanks to Taylor <laughs> for fighting back against the Tyler Vance erasure. Do I have to get out the napkin to show Mike that Movies from a Hat was, was my idea first? <laughs> P.P.S. Baby Vance, henceforth known on the podcast as Taylor Micah Vance. Has been in, has been eyeing the DVDs on the shelf. I think she's going to be a movie lover. Good. Well, that's good. That's a nice update. Yeah. We're glad that Taylor Micah Vance is doing well. Um, we have another fan question here from Amy 
who says, uh, do you all know that Brie Larson is now actually considered a Disney princess? This is a Marvel connection. Mike can explain it. Anyway, let's talk about Brie Larson. How do you feel about her singing and her in this role? And I didn't get a chance to see the TV show. Does she play a big part? Do they expand upon her character at all? Did she um, not have a musical career? Am I just totally fabricating that memory? I told Dan that fact. And he was like, no. She had she's a had mus- some singles. She I released think. an album. Did she not? I think Brie so. Larson? I yeah, think I'm pretty funny. sure she did. I'm pretty sure at, at that time, like in and around then, yeah, she did. Do I think that's why she was vocal. cast. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's such an interesting career. I'm like a I'm a big fan of Brie Larson. I wish nothing but the best for her. Her most recent projects, I do not think, have been great. Um, I'm speaking mostly of Lessons in Chemistry, which is another adaptation which they've done a TV show for. The book, I loved it. One of my best books of the year last year. TV show, awful. Oh, really? I was considering watching it. Should I not? Oh, well, you can. I'd love to talk to you about it, but I just don't think it's good. Okay. (laughs) Gotcha. (laughs) Rainy day. Um, Yeah, I mean, yes, she is technically a Disney princess now uh, because of Marvel. But anyway, um, yeah. So in terms of the rest of the TV show, does her role get expanded at all? No. And again, I think that this is an instance of like her availability just because she is doing a lot of other projects right now and so heavily involved with Disney and Marvel. Um, Yeah. She has a YouTube channel. Get as fleshed out. She does sing. um, Actually, no, she doesn't even sing. They got the, they got Emily Haynes from Metric to sing. I remember looking that up. Did they? uh, Envy Adams does perform at Scott's funeral, but it's actually Emily Haynes. Interesting. Singing. She, she, uh, she sings in the Marvel's movie. Does she? She does. Yeah, they go to a planet where the only way you can communicate is through song. She's like, I'm going to, I dabbled in a music career and I will continue to do so. Good for her. If I could sing well, I would be doing it as many opportunities as possible. Yeah, yeah, I would sing at the end of every podcast. (laughs) I I did think she was great in this role. I thought her playing up this kind of like archetype of a femme Mm -hmm. fatale, like, oh, I'm jealous. And just like the voice that she uses is she's almost unrecognizable to who she is now. I thought she was fabulous. I thought she was great. I haven't followed her career because I'm not a Marvel person. And I think the only other movie I've seen her in is possibly the room, but she did win. Did she not win an Oscar for that? I'm not going to say she's a bad actress and she was quite good in this movie, but I don't have strong feelings on her the way a lot of people do. People have really strong feelings about Brie Larson. Yeah, I don't know exactly why. I don't know if it's like a misogyny thing or whatever. I Again, I think that she's a solid actor. Um, but like, I, I don't is really she, know. Mike, is she the actress that has a really weird social media presence that we talked about once? Well, it's more the fact that she's got her YouTube channel now. Um, social media, she does do some stuff on. But like, I think, I mean, she said some things. She said some things we've talked about on the show before. That's a little all over the place but i think i think it is i don't know a lot of people react weirdly to a lot of things but i think the fact that one of the issues is her probably the most popular mainstream project she does is with marvel and she's a little miscast as captain marvel like a lot of people aren't happy with her performance in there so i think that takes a lot of it unfortunately um she's i don't know i think she's great i think she's been really good in a lot of things she's been in i personally have grown to like her performance as Captain Marvel and she's gotten better in the movies as the movies have gotten worse. She's actually improved. So I don't know. I don't get quite all the hate to her, but she's definitely not one of those people who Taylor that who's said a bunch of things. And we like always talk about it. I I remember us dedicating half an episode to her YouTube channel. Right. Um, Cause it's weird, but that's it it was (laughs) some of the stuff she posts on there were a little bit. I have like, I got to get to one more fan question though. I know we want to talk about this, but there's just one more here that I wanted to get to. Um, and this one, this one's interesting. So this one comes uh, from uh, Kira, who wants to, oh, who says, I didn't even realize until rewatching it that that was Chris Evans. Did that right? happen to anyone else? Yep, <laughs> yep. Katie watches it yeah. every year, so she gets to walk down I that memory lane every year. But he, it's just he, another uh, another Marvel alum. You can tell it's pre-Marvel because he's like n- normal, like quote unquote normal buff. And, like, now stars to be superheroes have to be, like, on steroids. Not saying that 
he's on steroids in particular, but just to get that that Marvel physique, which is so fake, he's just like normal buff in this movie, which is you don't see that anymore. Um, this episode just flew by. This uh, this was really great, uh, Katie. As as usual, you uh, you came in, you knocked it out of the park. Um, I I know I speak on behalf of our many fans who wrote in and wrote in just to sign up for the movie club like they always do. Clearly, this is popular, so we're we're all looking forward to the next one, and I hope you'll hope we'll come back. Yeah, I'll have to think of what to do next. Also, you, I uh, have one small correction. I said that Black Sheep was written for the movie. They had written it, but not released it because mm-hmm. it didn't fit on their albums, and then gotcha. Edgar Wright asked to put it in the movie. Kind of like a B Officially side. corrected. Officially <laughs> corrected. Just want to get that in there. But anyways, thanks so much for having me. We will find something new for next time. Exciting. Sounds good. Thank you so much, if Katie. people have ideas, like, they should write in. in. We'll, yeah, we'll pass them along if they send them in. Thank you again, Katie. Go see some movies.